I smacked right in the middle, oh, <laughs> middle of, no. of, the, of, of the bridge and then went in. I couldn't get my prosthetic out. So my prosthetic was uh-huh. pinning my, my good leg. But I didn't panic because I was a swimmer before yeah, that. I was like, knew. well, the water's not yeah. warm. Right. But the worst thing you want to do, Jim, is to panic. So I, I kind of took like five seconds. Okay, you're underwater. Hey, the boat floats. <laughs> So you've so, got a buoyancy yeah, aid, really. Right. All you got to do is get up and then lean yeah. on the side of it, and there's going to be a safety line. And I first person I rang with my mom I was like, "Oh, I capsized and I nearly drowned." And then when I put foot put the phone down, I'm like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, that's the serious <laughs> of it. It was quite. Yeah, that's when you realize, wow, that could have been bad. It could have been bad, but you could say it worked out. You just heard this pivotal moment where James Roberts is trapped underwater, and if he loses his cool, he's going to drown. James was training to compete in the Paralympic Games during this moment where he crashed his boat into a bridge. And I am so excited to bring this episode of Unbeatable to you right in the middle of the Winter Olympics when everybody in the world is watching their favorite competitors. And you get a chance to hear today from a guy who's competed in not one, but two Paralympic Games on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff Strucker. Hey, James, thank you for joining me for this episode of Unbeatable. I am super excited to talk to you about competing in the Paralympic Games. We're even going to talk about the Winter Olympics that are going on right now. But I want to get to know you a little bit. So why don't you describe this unusual childhood you had growing up with a U.S. military father and a British mother on a NATO base in Brussels, Belgium. I've got a, probably a weird multicultural upbringing. I look at things probably, well, I don't probably, I look at things very differently from maybe an open perspective as I, I, I had to be able to speak to kids well, I, I spoke a foreign language probably from the age of three years old. So wow. speaking to people in English or French or I, I, Spanish in high school as well, it comes second nature to me in terms of I like to learn, I like to learn other languages. I know the, the culture. So for me, it was, it's weird because it's, on, it's a bubble in itself because it's a commun- multicultural community yeah. in another country. So it's it's quite surreal. I think the only thing I can compare it to is probably a Paralympics or Olympics because it's, yeah. it's got that kind of feel of um, obviously it's got armed guards and there's barbed wire right. all the way around it and there's more, there's more than one nationality. So I think for me, uh, obviously the Paralympics is almost like coming, I think for yeah. London, probably like coming home. Coming home like, right? well, I've spent 18 years like yeah. this. This is normal. Well, I've never been over to Brussels, Belgium to the Supreme um, Allied headquarters, which is now the shape uh, or now the NATO headquarters. But I've known a number of people that have been stationed there and they all came back saying the same thing that you're saying. They love the place because of how many countries and their cultures came with them all working together in the same place at the same time. And I can imagine for you with parents from two different nationalities living in a different country than those two parents come from. Yeah. You got exposed to all kinds of culture literally every day growing up. I think you get used to it. Um, I think I was the earliest memory that, well, family remind me of is 
uh, speaking to one of the Italian MPs, going ciao, 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 bambino. Yeah, nice. So it, 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 it's so for me, it's nothing normal to abnormal. Sorry, f- to to want to at least learn at least a few phrases from a language. Yeah. Uh, went out to China for my first Paralympics. Uh, I learned a few for it. It it bit me in the ass a little bit because it's like, why didn't you learn a bit more? It's like, well. I've learned hello. Yeah. How are you doing? Thank you. That's more I'm than good, what right? most people. I'm good, right? I've I've made an effort yeah. to well, Chinese is not like any other it's language. It's not easy. So it's not easy. so it's not easy. I've, I've made an attempt. Uh one of my teammates, he did obviously learn Mandarin. So <laughs> to, I, but he said, wanted to do for that. Showing for me, off, right? I I I I I did well, you could say the bare minimum, but I went to at least that I can communicate in your own language. Uh-huh. Um, if, if I if I got a little bit too uh, technical, which can happen in some languages, I, I go, uh-oh, I've learned a bit too much and now I'm out of my depth. Well, you obviously have a different accent than I do with the same language, the English language, though most people from the UK would say what's spoken in America and American English is not the English language. But... Why did you decide to settle down in, I, because you've been exposed to so many cultures and come, parents come from different countries. Why did you decide to settle down in Wales? It suits my personality where, where I reside now. It's, it's a very um, quaint, it's actually the town my mother grew up in. Oh, look at that. So yeah. it's, so I spent a lot of my childhood holidays and vacations here. So be it summer vacations, Christmas up until I was a teenager where I would be a bit more rebellious and uh, my aunt lived in in a Manchester in a big city so I was like no no, no I don't want to go to the seaside resort no more I want to uh-huh. go to the big I want to go to the big smoke but it suits me to the two because it's very 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 uh quaint um very laid back six months of the year obviously summertime it's like any holiday resort it's it's not it's it's full of tourists so it's not pleasant but it's it it feels like home now um maybe a couple years ago it didn't because i didn't know where i fitted in in terms of well belgium is home but those are the people the people are no longer there they've they've moved on the the families have gone back to where they've come from they might have emigrated it's like well the things that i'm missing the people the, the play I've, I've been back uh four or five years ago and it's like oh it's changed yeah. and then my mom was like well it was like that when you were growing up it was it's just you've got uh, uh rose tinted glasses to some uh-huh. extent you you you're seeing what you want to see and when i got older it's like well this this place isn't that great but obviously the the, the people went there and um all things like that. And I think I've come to embrace here because it's, gosh, it's not far from the mountains. It's the beach is within walking distance. I I probably have, well, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people in the city probably be envious of, you know, just being able to walk out and you'd be in nature. Uh, I'm very, very much fortunate to do that. And, it's it's nice to be able to go 
if I wanted to 45 minute drive, go into the countryside yeah. and be being in well, what is the second biggest mountain in, in, in the UK? Or if I wanted to, you know, take a walk down to the beach and I didn't have that growing up, but, but being in smack bang in the middle of Belgium, yeah, it's an hour away. And that was the bonus of it, of, you know, I've trapped, with this with the base team of competing i could be in the netherlands one week uh-huh. germany the next uh i probably took that for granted whereas now it's like okay you've got the best of both worlds that people would probably i don't want to say die for but in terms of they would probably love to bite my hand off to have <laughs> and it's nice to be in what is familiar surroundings it's mm-hmm. I, i've grown i've grown up here okay i've not grown up around with the people of my same age but i i i've got a different outlook of i've i've left I've, well my family left the area and we come back um so it the only people that can relate to that is obviously people that the military brats is yeah. like it's normal oh yeah We've spent of course two, three years here and then maybe come back to the US or in my case, back to the UK to go to, 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 to do the collegiate uh, days. And then obviously you can still talk about, you know, the, the heydays. Uh-huh. I'm lucky that I'm not that far away of they, they miss it. Uh, and for me re- residing and answering your question, I think, why did I pick the UK over Belgium or or the US? Is come come back to sport. It was all my decisions fifteen years about fifteen years ago, maybe a, bit, a little mm-hmm. bit longer. We're around about so we're talking about swimming. So where is the best best school I can go to that's got one of our academies? So. I went to Swansea University, which happened to be one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one would have been um, Manchester or Sterling. I didn't want to. Oh, I chose not to go to Manchester because the school uh, that I wanted to do and do sports science was an hour drive away yeah. from the actual performance center. I was like, well, that doesn't make doing that every day, yeah. twice a day. That makes no sense whatsoever. So let's take that off the board. Um, you and I discussed it before we started talking. Scotland too cold. Yes, that, yeah. that yeah. was end of discussion. So I'm left uh-huh. with probably one, one, one choice, and uh, it ended up I had to do an interview to get in uh, to the school. Uh, I bombed it. I didn't do very you well. Did, the for first real? time I bombed it. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't do very well in interview settings. Obviously, this is not the hey, same. You're thing, doing pretty good right now. I'm just saying. In, in in terms of, you know, if it's like a job scenario, um, I have uh, I struggle to be able to sell as in why should I come to your institution or yeah. why should I get the job? I I, I make it a probably a bigger deal than it needs to be. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be uh, the strength and conditioning uh, coach for the swimming program. And he was the, like the... Uh, mediated person he was doing that he got called away for a conference that conversation would be completely different because it would be natural be yeah. well james why do you want to do it da, 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 da. I, and i worked with him uh, in the summer before i went to the school so it's i already i already know you so the conversation is a lot easier um so they gave me um a conditional offer but 
at, uh, um, we call it a foundation degree. So like a JUCO college. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, well, I want to, I, I, I want to obviously go to the school. I'm going to have to take it. Um, and, 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 and went down that route because all the other options weren't viable. It's like, well, if I want to progress in sport, I'm going to have to take this decision right. and obviously make the best of a, of a bad situation and see where, where you go. And I've discussed this with family in, in the present. And they kind of go, well, why, why did you make that decision? Well, I, I don't, I, I, I made it because that was the only option. Yeah. And uh, why, why did I bomb the interview? that would probably be looking at something that, that, well, that's why people prepare themselves for right, interviews with right. practice. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you can kind of prepare yourself for some, at least some of the questioning you're going to get. Um, that scenario probably wouldn't bother me at all now because it's like, well, this is, yeah. this is why I think, it, and when I went to, to do my, uh, postgraduate, it was easy. Cause it's like all the ball, yeah. all the dice is in my hand you need to sell to me why I should come to your institution. Right. Yeah. So it was a lot easier um, to be on the other, on the side of that. So I, I did the two years, uh, did okay academically. Uh-huh. It probably worked out better to having done those two years in, in junior college. And then I, well, I didn't kind of, I went to the head of the, the school to kind of beg. Uh-huh. To well, if there's a place going, would I be able to get one? So I think because I had the balls to do it on the, I've done it numerous occasions where, uh, in academia, I've gone above and beyond where people probably think, well, uh-huh. you just accept the decision. You're not going to go further than junior college. Uh, I got in. It's not done the the, the institution any bad because I went on to become yeah. a two-time Paralympian. So it's not it's not hurt there their legacy or their marketing department probably does quite well off it. But he said, well, if there's space, we'll let you in. And I think I got in and it probably being a blessing this guy. Yeah. Most of the work, I, work I'd already seen. So it's like regurgitating old, old content and it being my first year in university and going for a Paralympics when I had to move up to go full time, it wasn't too big a, a task for me because the university we're on board. Yeah. Uh, Sport Wales on board. Disability Sport Wales on board. It's like, well, we believe in you, James. I didn't believe myself in myself. Uh-huh. And people probably found it hard to believe. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't think I can, I don't know if I'm going to make the Paralympics, but they were willing to uh, allow me to miss uh, all my lectures from the Easter time to the end of the year. Uh, I only had to come back for a group assignment that had to be done in person uh-huh. and my exams. And that was it. And everything else was remote learning, which for the American audience is normal, but for British things until the pandemic, they didn't know what it was. Yeah. So I was very, very grateful. So I, 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 anytime I wasn't training, I was in my books. Yeah. It's like, well, I need to, I owe them massively for, for taking a risk on you, right? So taking a risk. That's a massive risk yeah. for, uh, for all the marbles and there's no guarantee. So, so I think subconsciously I've always used that in my career as I owe it to myself. I owe it to my family. I owe it to these institutions that are put, put, pumping money into me at the end of the day. Yeah. 
and there's no guarantee that that person's sure. going to to fulfill their potential. So I think once I made the games and my uh, ex-coach from swimming, and we bumped into each other in the village, it's like you finally realize your potential you had yeah. in swimming. I, I, I'd kind of, that was, for me, that was like a light bulb moment. It's like, okay, now I now I know I belong. Yeah, right. I belong. So, so the games itself were not to the bit. The final I competed in, I've never been so relaxed. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the transition. You had swam for many years, and then you transitioned from swimming to rowing. Why? I got dropped. I got dropped. So if we rewind, somebody helped you basically helped you transition. Yeah. So we rewind back to my first year of junior college. So this is what I've set my life on in terms of this is where I'm going to start my sporting career. Uh, I would drop that Christmas. Oh my goodness, man. That must have been brutal. I, I saw the writing on the wall because it nearly happened the year before. But when you spent, uh, I spent all summer there trying to qualify. Uh, we got a Commonwealth Games, so be it like the Pan yeah. Am Games, yeah. uh-huh. which will be this year. Uh, 16, not 16, 2000. Yeah, I was preparing for two, the, the, the one in. Yeah, 2006. So I went over after finishing high school, spent a summer where I'm going to go to study. Uh, that didn't work out because I was homesick. I, I uh-huh. pretty much did. I swam slower than I, before I went. Uh, but once I was put back into familiar surroundings, massively boom. fast. Yeah, boom. <laughs> so it worked, but obviously didn't work for what it needed to. And obviously, we fast forward to the Christmas. Um, I didn't make obviously the, the the standard that was set, and was I wasn't distraught. I was kind of got obviously deflated because yeah. like, well, what do I? Uh, this is my life. Or this yeah, you had been, everything had been building towards re- re- this re- moment, right? So, unbeknownst to me, behind the scenes, my mom was speaking to our. Uh, performance director, just but it's more like an uncle to me uh-huh. um, than than a performance director. So if he didn't know about that long before the the, the I'll call it a charade, um, but I didn't respond well to you know if you say this is your last opportunity to make the time, I don't do very I yeah. don't respond. Very, I probably I, I do now because ultimately I, I I use it as fuel. Uh, but then it, it was just extra pressure. Yeah. It was like, well, I, I know I need to hit this standard. I'm on, I'm under the cut. I'm under the, the pump as it is uh-huh. it 10 times worse. Uh, so for me, what was it like? I, I always talk about it in terms of, I was thinking to come back, come back in the January. I'm going to be a regular student. I'm going to yeah. get to see what, what this what college is actually uh-huh. like. Um, but I got a phone call. It's like the day before we we're going to break up from the performance director. Oh, James, what's your thoughts about doing rowing? It's like, I don't know what to think about it. Cause the, the only thing that I've seen is the Olympic games uh-huh. or the boat or actually Cambridge boat race. So I've got nothing to go on. Can I run it past my mom? We're very close with. And 
obviously I had a chat with her and she she doesn't remember me her saying this, but this is my recollection of it. You could be very, very good or absolutely useless. I made this into oh, a TEDx that's, talk. That's awesome. I'm going to write that down. You could be very good or absolutely useless. But from a sport perspective, yeah. it, it's 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 a double positive because right. it's like, well, if I'm good with it, hey, wonderful. I'll run with it. If I'm useless, I'll go do something else. That's right. Go do, something, go do else, something else. Right. Yeah. The worst would be a little bit okay at it. And you just start giving yourself and giving yourself to something you're a little bit okay at. Maybe it's better position to be either absolutely great or just terrible at it. That way, you know, it's time for me to move on. Well, I, 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 from that, I was like, well, let's, let's, let's take a punt at it and, yeah. and see where it's uh, better than I thought it would be. Wait a second. Uh, you just used punt as a term to refer to this for like punting on the Tim's uh, kind of punt, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I felt like I needed and, to point that out. And I went to the, the, what, the, went to the, the first training session in Cardiff and they've it's hard to, it's like a it's like a rowing boat but it's on it's on land uh -huh. and there's no there's no actual water and i was kind of describe how to do the technique did it i picked it up within probably half an hour and they're like what about going on the water now i wasn't expecting this yeah i'm I willing to try it see uh -huh. if we're good or we're not hmm self-doubt creeping in yeah. other than the fact that i spent eight years in in water so it shouldn't have bothered me being on top of it other than the water outside is a lot colder if he went in uh, and i was like dr water it was like a, I, I it been I'd, I'd always been in this sport and just excelled and excelled and i think we alluded to this before we started going is because all the resources were thrown behind me yeah of uh Rome is going to be making his Paralympic debut let's let's throw everything at James's feet and see how he goes with yeah. it so I had a huge support system support is basically support. So had, I had right? loads and loads of coaches I had you name it it's not that they wanted to come along for the ride it's like well we like what you're doing James happens to be the vehicle let, let's give him the support. Yeah. I think the government body in GP didn't like that because they didn't discover me. And I probably had to fight, face that. Uh, this is a reflection now in the future. If I was probably trying to fight the establishment, it's like, well, you haven't discovered me, but I'm a raw talent. And I mean, I mean, I seem to be able to, well, I've never beaten individually. So that speaks volumes. Yeah. So, um, all the testing we did on land, I just tried to stick in as close as I could to the front as well. The rowing's got a saying of of, of the, the ergos don't float, so the rowing machine doesn't float. Uh -huh. That's, if it's close, they're going to look back on it. But every every decision finally is going to be based on what happens on the water. Yeah. So I went in with a mindset of, well, if you're in the top three on land... I back myself to win on, on the water uh -huh. 100% of the time. And there came a time in, which season would it have been? The 07 season. So my second year in the program, uh, they decided not to pick the team, even though it was supposed to be on paper, the final selection. 
I had like a Kobe moment or a Jordan moment. Uh-huh. I got few I, inside. I was raging. I was like, well, if a final decision is a final decision. So I took it upon myself to him. I'm going to humiliate this other person. I want to make a statement. Um, I ended up beating the person by 30 seconds. And wow. then they said, oh, we're not going to pick the team. It's like, there's no coming back from this. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to find 30 seconds right. in a month. That's right. So uh, what was probably more embarrassing was uh, we had to restart the race because he fell in. It's like, well, if that happens in a real, real life scenario, that doesn't happen. Yeah. It's, Tough right. luck. That happened. You fell in. That's your own yeah. fault. Uh, I got a better start on the second time around. <laughs> and then obviously kept going. Yeah. Um, and my performance coach, this is an inside joke between him and my family. It's like, which James is going to turn up uh-huh. normally? Obviously, that one was very ruthless. It was, I might happen like two, three times in my entire career that I was like intent to okay, I'm not happy with the decision. I'm going to make a statement. Yeah. And then obviously that should speak volumes of, well, okay, this person isn't good enough. So we did the, the final trial 30 days late. I had to train with him and the combination would never train, yeah. would never compete. Right. Like, well, this is a, in hindsight, it was a lost opportunity because it could have been like a weight set because he was heavy. He was about, um, how heavy would have been? about 200 pound plus uh-huh. and i only weigh about 150 it could have been a strength and conditioning exercise for me yeah. pulling around the <laughs> yeah. lake but i was inside i was like well this is just a stupid exercise it's, it's pointless for him because i'm not gonna do much and it's a pointless exercise for me because ultimately i'm not gonna get anything out of it and i might as well stayed at home i'm trained at home because i would have trained properly yeah. uh i think in hindsight if i'd have probably taken the, the former mindset of, well, let's pull him around. As long as I don't mm-hmm. get hurt, I gain something and I actually yeah, get a bit you stronger. Yeah, you can get stronger, right? Uh, and then we had the final trial. Weather was horrific. Uh-huh. But I trained in um, where my training base was. Uh, got water taxis, got boats going up and down the yeah. river. It's not as bad as the Thames, but... So you're going to get wash and it's yeah. going to be bumpy. He wasn't used to it. I was like, don't matter if it's, I, I'm, all I got to do is get in front and that's right. it. Game over. I don't, I'm not going to humiliate you again. Cause you know, I'm better than you. Uh, he, he'd come from a rugby background cause we're uh-huh. very respectful. So I was like, well, I'm not going to humiliate you again. It's not your fault. The establishment is what it is. I'll just beat you. And then obviously, uh, beat him. Uh, and then went to that games qualified for the for the boat for the games. This is where the sport is very unique. Uh, I can't think of any other sport that the people that qualify the boat don't get guaranteed a place. Really, um, and it's the same in the Paralympic or Olympics. Yeah. There's no guarantee that you'll go the following year. Uh, and I was asked on a radio interview at that World Champs, and this was live. What would happen, James, if you weren't selected? I went to 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 me and the media team that we had. It was supposed to be recorded. Yeah, so I was like, well, I could think if it was recorded, I could think on my feet and yeah. then give a response, and then it's it's not a soundbite. And then when he said it was live, I was like, well, I can't take my time to answer this because it's live, and I can't give an answer that I'll regret. Right. And I think I went. 
down the diplomatic approach. It's like, well, I'll do my best to obviously make sure I don't lose. Uh-huh. Uh, and then obviously when I come off the phone, I said to me, this is what they asked me and it was live. So they were fuming. But I think it's, it's, it's helped me for my career to expect the unexpected because yeah. the media being the media, that's, that, I won't say that's the sole intent, but that's what they like to do. They like to get little sound uh-huh. bites and then say, well, James said this. Catch you off guard, right? And then catch you off guard. It's like, well, I can't control anybody else as much as I'd like to or as much as I would always think that would be the case. If somebody's better than me, I can't do anything about it. Right. I can only do my best to be better than them. Okay, that season uh, I beat the other person individually. But that season, they decided to to run the double as a trial, and I didn't show up, like physically. Yeah. I I, uh-huh. I didn't row worse didn't than row that your best. the season before or after. People were like shocked. It's like, where's James gone? Uh, technically, uh, it's something I took from swimming. I took into rowing to be very very good. Technically, uh-huh. that went out the window. It was like it was like this person never been in a boat, into, so they couldn't believe it's like what's happened. But they were gonna pick that day. That was gonna be, uh-huh. yep, the axe. You fall on you fall on your sword, James. And they were gonna pick the other person. It's like because I had a good support network behind me. It's like, well, hang on a second. That didn't happen in 07, That didn't happen in 06, When it was the roles were reversed. Yeah. Uh, so they gave me that ultimatum. As I said, I've, I've got to move up there tomorrow. Um, me being very naive at, I would have been 21. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's do it. And people are like, no, no, James. Can we have five minutes with James alone and make him make a rational decision? I'm making a very rush Because yeah. I was going to let sports supersede. Uh, and I was going to throw else, away right. university. I yeah. was going to throw pretty much my life in terms of just for, well, it's a dream really, mm-hmm. but there's no guarantee that would materialize. So they went, come on, let's think rationally. We know you're, I was doing it probably on raw emotion because I was probably distraught. Sure. Of, well, I've, I've lost my opportunity of going to the pinnacle of, of disabled sport. What do I do now? Let's do it. But within a space of, I think it was two, three weeks in the end. It took longer than I wanted it to take. We have to make the move uh, to get all the the logistics and the financial stuff yeah. behind me. So I could obviously, uh, they would support me while I was down there. And then once I was there and they could see me day in that, it's like, yeah, James does care. He's got quite a laissez-faire attitude. I still do now. But being able to see me day in, day yeah. out and kind of showcase, well, I'm going to throw blood, sweat and tears to, to this goal because I want it. Then they could kind of see, oh, yeah, he, he does. Yeah. And obviously then made the Paralympics. And um, it was a bit surreal because it's like the, fir- the first one is I'm here. And when I got the selection letter, and this was 100 days out, my teammate said, oh, you're not excited? I'm like, no. 
My family is quite pessimistic. Wait, so you've just been selected for the Paralympics, and they're, your teammates are saying, "Aren't you excited?" And your answer, I wasn't because no. I was I was pessimistic because it's like anything could go yeah, wrong from now until then. Yeah, I'm. You could say pessimistic, critical, realist. It's like obviously I don't want that to happen, but this is also a chance to get better. So I'm not mm. gonna rest on my laurels. Yes, it's wonderful that I'm selected. But nobody else in the world is stopping. So I, I probably was very wise beyond my ears to some extent to kind of go, well, hey, this is all well and good. But yes, this could go wrong. But we still need to put in the work. Yeah. It's not it's not finished. Uh, and those are probably the best part of my career. There's uh-huh. the rowing ones, there's aspects of it I don't like and I'm still angry about, but it's one of the sports, some of the testing I wouldn't do. Again, yeah. I choose not to do lactate testing or VO2 max and things like that, but most of the things I would do over again because I enjoyed every aspect of it. Yeah. I think more because of the seasonal as- aspects of rowing. You can see that swimming, you can't see the seasons. It's uh-huh. 20 degrees, well, say... It's nice, nice and comfortable 365 days a year. Rowing is not pleasant yeah. in the autumn and the fall or the winter. It's it's brutal. It's it it it, it brings out the the man out from the boys. Yeah. But I loved it. It's like I don't now, but yeah. I don't like to be out in the elements all the time, but I loved it. But I think because of having that momentum of success of I'm quite naive from one minute I'm a development athlete now all of a sudden now I need to be a performance athlete it kind of it clicked but I think because of I think all the Welsh athletes are more of a family you could ask somebody that's been to a game well what did you do and he said so you just copy behavior it's like well they're doing this this is my standard of of what I need to to do And, and and any ounce of and I spoke to an athlete uh, that I know from my podcast earlier of the, the mindset, it breeds success. It's toxic, yeah, but it's very positive because everybody's going in the same, I'm not saying pulling in the same, they're all going in the same direction uh-huh. in terms of what they want to achieve. So everybody wants to replicate it. So I've made it my task. Now I've gone into coaching myself is, well, how do I dissect everything that I did for somebody that can yeah. you okay for a client to be able to utilize uh of they maybe they're not they've not been nurtured in that way they've not experienced um failure and being able to use it to their advantage to turn into success so for me it's it's been utilizing you know interviews like this to kind of go backwards engineer it and go well this is what I did in this scenario. This is why it was successful. This is why uh, I was advantageous. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'd, I'd probably thought I did it all myself. I know now as a 35-year-old, that's not the case. Yeah. If it wasn't for my family uh, willing to go above and beyond, if it's not for my university... Uh, disability sport Wales, sport Wales funding me to go to my yeah. first Paralympics. I know I don't have this conversation today, uh-huh. 
because things because things change. James, your first Paralympics was China. Is that right? Yep. Beijing. Yep. And yep. 2008. Yep. And what it feels event? So long. It feels such a long uh, time ago yeah. now. There's another one there. <laughs> what event did you do? E- event or events? I did. I did one event. So um, my classification had a. You could say it's a bad thing or a good thing. We, in every, yeah, every major championship I did with GB Rowan, uh-huh. I went through every single round. And in rowing, that's not normal. So it's yeah. normally, uh, depending on the amount of people that's in the event, you'd have a heat, a repechage, and a final. Or uh, one was, there was a semi-final and one of the world champs. Went through every single round. Yeah be the only boat in the, in the, in the t- team that did that. Wow. Everybody else heat final. Hey, we're going to talk purpose. about London in 2012 in just a second, but right now the winter Olympics are going on in Beijing. So does it bring up any memories for you? I was watching the curling the other night. Yeah. They, the, the curling on, the, on, on the BBC, they mentioned the swimming pool. I was like, it was, it, it's real name is the water cube. Yeah. The cube. Like, uh, of course. I was like, Chick, like tick. I've gone to a winter uh-huh. game. I've gone to. I've been to a winter venue now. I've been to a winter Paralympic. I've been to a winter yeah, game. That's right. Well, I was going to tell you, I am a huge Olympics fan. I have always been a huge fan of the Olympics. I can watch Olympic venues it all day and all night long, and it doesn't even matter what the Olympics are. I just absolutely love them because of the athletes that have given every bit of their life to this one pinnacle moment. So, um, James, I, I didn't have a chance to, to, to warn you about this, but I got a little segment on this show that I call the high five. This is me like reaching across the Atlantic and doing a big high five with you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, and this one, I want to talk about why I love what I love about watching the Olympics. Now the Olympics came to Atlanta, Georgia, long time ago. I was living in the area and I went to the Olympic venues, but I never got a chance to watch an Olympic event um, live. So uh, my time watching the Olympics has always been sitting on the sofa, you know, and watching it from TV. But I'm watching the Winter Olympics right now, and I'm just in awe watching guys like Nathan Chin do double black backflips in the air on the ice and women like uh, Chloe Kim doing crazy stunts in the air in the snowboard half pike. I like everything about the Olympics. So what I wanted to do is just cover with you like my top five reasons why I love watching the Olympics. And I want you to throw in uh, your thoughts on watching the Olympics. You've been a guy who's been able to be in the in more than mm-hmm. one Paralympic Games, but uh, you're watching it right now along with the rest of the world, right? Absolutely. So number one, I think on my list of why I love watching the Olympic Games, winter or summer, is just because, you know, everybody else in the world is watching this too, right? Like everybody wants to see their guy or their gal win. So the whole world is holding their breath in those finals, wanting to see their guy win, which or gal win, which makes the pressure enormous. But it also makes it a great, uh, you know, sporting event for the world to see. Um, I think number two on my list, believe it or not, I'm a swimmer at heart. I love swimming. So in the summer games, I can just watch every preliminary and all of the finals in swimming just because I'm so fascinated by swimmers 
and why and how how talented of an athlete athletes they are. But when it comes to watching the swimming in the Olympics, I totally nerd out watching the end or, you know, the, you know, the finals and to, because I'm trying to see who actually hit the wall first. It looks like there is like one millimeter of distance between two um, swimmers. And I don't know who hit the wall even after it's over with until they finally throw the, oh, yeah, but, the but you know, the, su- you know, the subtleties of it, if whoever hits the board for yeah, harder. That's what so I mean. It's, it's not. It's not necessarily who finishes first, it's who hits the, the touchpad harder. Yeah, so for an insider, tell everybody what it's like when you know you're neck and neck with the person in the lane next to you and you're not sure who's going to actually hit that board first or, in your case, hit it harder, and you're trying to find out after the event's over with who actually just won that thing. Well, you taught, I think you taught, I think this is more when I was a teenage swimmer. It was you're gonna, you need to either finish on the stroke and push through the yeah, board push all the way through right or you need to be willing to sacrifice breaking maybe a couple of fingers Honestly. i hope people are hearing you like be willing to break a couple of fingers if you want the gold medal hanging well, around your well neck. it's true it's, it, in terms of the luxury and the misfortune to know a lot of athletes so i see behind the scenes right so you you reminisce and kind of go well four years ago i was here eight years ago i was here well this feels like crap yeah I, I, I'm I'm on the outside and I've got no, uh, I can't change. And but I think what I reminded myself with when it came to the Paralympics in Rio, because that's how I was feeling for the Olympics. It's like, well, you know the sacrifice that they've done for four years. You want the icing on yeah, the cake, right? You don't want the cake. That's right. You don't want to put. You want to make yeah, the cake, right? You can't have. You can't have your cake and eat it, James. It's like, you know how hard those men and women have worked. Yeah to get there thus you can't have you know the 15 minute 15 minutes of fame right it doesn't work like that well you're bringing uh, up the number 3 thing on my list one of the reasons why i absolutely love the olympics is because when you go to the olympics you're carrying the hopes of your country with you right like everybody's like that's our guy and i want to see our guy win and you've devoted four years of your life to this thing, but you're, I, I, your whole country's be, behind you. I can be honest with you, Jeff. I never did that because that's too much pressure. No, I mean, like, you know that everybody back in home country is sitting there cheering you on, though. And that's, I mean, that's a yeah, beautiful that's thing. That's a lot of expect. That's a sure. lot of pressure, isn't it? We're talking yeah. about, okay, the UK, GB is only 70 million people. Um, I can't think of what the population of the U.S. is. If you, if you, it's a lot if, more if than if seventeen you, million. If you, if you went into that mindset of everybody back home is watching you, and you didn't know how to deal with that, yeah, that could be debilitating. You're gonna I'm crumble sure. in in the high pressure environment because it, it's tough. Yeah. Um, if I happen back to Beijing's probably a lot of memories. Yes, uh-huh. it's competing there. Um, the cube itself has a lot of memories because of my days. Uh-huh. Of a, I didn't as obviously a swimmer. compete as a swimmer there. Uh, we had to do a visualize ex- visualization exercise as development athletes before the structure was built. So this is about 2003, 2004. Yeah. I couldn't do it because you're telling me to do. I don't know why, because it's not that difficult task to do, but as I've been 17. Uh-huh. It's been a little bit rebellious. I'm not gonna do I fell asleep instead. Um you had to do this with meditation and visualize it. You had to relax or you 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 go out completely. But what I couldn't grasp on the concept was 
is because it was an artistic impression. It was like yeah. a 2D image. It's like, it's not a real structure. How can I visualize a picture? Because I've got nothing to go. Nowadays, the, the person is, is, I've seen 3D images of, of buildings. It's, it's, it's cool. It's like, well, I can, I can feel myself walking yeah. through this but building. So I've got that history alongside it of, okay, I had the, the luxury of actually going into the building when it was completed. Yeah. I, I got to, uh, um, I bumped into actually uh, one of the French um, guys I used to compete against when I was a swimmer um, wow. years ago. And he's like, oh, what event are you competing? No, no, no. So in French, um, I was like, no, no I'm, I could be, I'm competing in another sport. Yeah. I finished. I'm coming to spectate. So he was, he was quite, it was quite, um, oh, yeah surreal because it's like well i was competing against you two two three years ago and now 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 i'm gonna watch watch the 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 event and when i was watching it on the tv the other night it's like well trying to visualize how much the swimming pool has changed to to make it a curling event venue i think they've raised the floor a bit um because i think the seating was a lot bigger than that from my recollection but it brings up memory i've yeah. got videos of being in the pool well you're what, telling what, me what, what, uh, number two on my list now i am totally into curling and i never thought i would be but i'm watching these guys and gals go down the ice with absolute precision but i can't help but think hey the guy or the gal that gets paid to sweep the ice i wonder what it would cost to me to get them to come to my house and sweep <laughs> up the dog hair at my house Cause I got a mess in the house right now. And number one on my list, man, I'll just be really quick with this one. What I love most about the Olympics is those stories that they tell about the athletes before the event, because what they're telling is somebody who has devoted themselves, literally their entire life has been devoted to one thing. And it's fascinating just to watch some of those stories. You competed not just one, but in two Paralympic games. So you were in, London in 12, kind of in your home territory, in your backyard, but you didn't row in London in the 2012 Paralympics. Tell everybody what event you competed in in I the competed 2012. competed in sitting, sit, sitting volleyball. Yeah. Why transition from rowing to volleyball? What was the reason and the thought behind that? With, row, with the transition that one, it was a classification change. So I knew, the program knew it was happening after the... the the games in Beijing that they were going to streamline it. I'm, I'm, I probably shouldn't use that word. Uh, so they weren't going to implement it till the 09 season. So I had one more year. Um, so my boat coach at the time became the head coach of the program. So he's like, well, James, will you come back for one year, one more, one more year uh-huh. and ride out on the white horse? I'm getting this image of James riding out on the white horse right now. Keep going. Get Do I get to go out on my terms? Obviously it didn't happen. But in terms of all the stuff, the political stuff that happened with the three years prior, yeah. is like, well, everybody I put in front of you, I can rest assured if you beat everybody that, that's in front of you, it's a done deal. He kept to his word. So I, yeah. I, I, I probably... Um, I was willing to probably go for a brick wall for him because like, well, you, you're a very honorable person and, and you stuck to your word. I beat everybody as agreed. And obviously I was selected. Um, 
they did run the person that beat me in 08 uh, versus the classification below. The classification guys below beat him. So I guess he took the decision to kind of go, well, it'd be a pointless exercise to make James go against it because yeah. I'd have gone, yeah. I'd been mediocre and I just would have won and it'd be pointless. Uh, I had to go against the clock. Clock's not your friend. <laughs> Clock's not yeah, your friend. That's right. The clock so is I wanted that thing done. Thousand, yeah. thousand meters. I wanted that thing. That, uh, I rode the fastest I ever did against the clock. Um, and I nearly passed out at the end. So, but if I'd have gone against the other person, I'd have never gone that far. Yeah. I, I just would have kept a lot in reserve. And, and I'm just honest with that. Um, so the transition of. 09 to, to to go into to, to volleyball obviously I had another discussion with with the performance director again of okay what's your thoughts about going into another sport it wasn't just sitting volleyball on the table yeah. I had cycling I had uh, sitting volleyball and something else I think it was shooting uh-huh. um, I wasn't keen on doing shooting because it's to me it's boring um <laughs> But the only reason I say that, Jeff, is because it's in the indoor. I I wouldn't mind trying clay shooting, yeah, because then that's quite useful. You could go out hunting. Um, so obviously cycling, I did try out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. For whatever reason, uh, we went in a different direction. So I've got pictures of me being in the velodrome as well. All right. Uh, of, of trying it out. Uh, that was very very. I'm going to say fun because trying to balance a bike on one leg is, is an achievement. I managed to do it and I'd never run. I've I've ridden a bike as a kid with stabilizers, but to focus on that front wheel and to get a bike and nobody's holding on to me. I managed to do it for, I don't know, I think about a minute or so. And then people say, Oh, you actually did it yourself. I was like, really? So it was an achievement. But obviously we went down the route of, of volleyball. Um, and I'm very, I'm quite lucky. The first season in, in for my club, I was this close. I know people can't see my hands from being on the second very team, close, yeah. not the first team, uh, because um, I didn't want it enough in practice. It, uh-huh. it, it was this is my, the ugly head of the laser fair coming to bite me in the ass. Uh, I can't remember why originally I got then put up to the first team. Um, and that first team, our club team, went up to uh, the national finals in our first season. Uh, a lot of people didn't like that because, like, they come out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, Paralympics we having the team in the end. Five or six. Uh-huh. Not all in volleyball, but yeah. uh, one's gone on to be a multi-gold medalist. It's household name in this country. Yeah. Uh, one of them is now the pathway development officer for Disability Sport Wales, um, been world champion. So a lot of, lot of pedigree in terms of like oh, raw yeah. talent sport wise, it was, it was a good team. Um, and one of my teammates, well, unfortunately it's his funeral next week. So oh, he's no. died Sorry at 31, hear, but he made the team before I did. I was like, well, if he can make it, what can I? And within a space of, it was about six months. I was in another national program. Um, so when the opportunity to go full time, I moved to London, came up in the 2010s. I took it. 
because it's like I finished university yeah. that summer. Yeah. Oh, stuff is stopping me. This, 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 I've got no kids. I've got no. I've got no girl. I've got no partner. I've got no school that I've got deadlines to to adhere to. Let's do it. Let's give it, give it, give it one year. Give it a good crack. See what happens. Uh, I'd taken a gap year from my postgraduate study because I went to them and said, "Well, I'll come to your your institution, but I want to have this year to see what happens, and then I'll come back and 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 do the." the the year of postgraduate study yeah. uh, that was a big mistake on my part um in hindsight academically because that year out didn't help uh, and changing institutions was more even more difficult uh, and living in london and being uh, 200 miles away was hard uh, i ended up doing it once or twice coming back yeah. home yeah. going to school 24 hours later jumping back on the train and going back down oh that's rough that so that was i was like i can't do this so eventually we we came to an agreement that okay i'll i'll forego the rest of the study and come out with a a postgraduate certificate um which other than uh teaching is not really well known (laughs) because it's like well how do i describe that so i've always in the past said i've got an msc and i haven't yeah because it's like well i haven't completed it i've started one but i still did postgraduate study and the university is very proud of me to to made london yeah but i did what was probably best for me sporting more academically i needed to make that if Uh if i'd have been a bit closer to uh, maybe university in London would be a lot, a lot easier to be able to balance to, I wasn't a great, uh, asker of help. Uh-huh. I'm very stubborn in terms of, uh, I probably could have asked for a little bit more dispensation yeah. with the course. Well, can I have, uh, maybe a little bit more clarity on the, the work that you want me to produce? Can I have a little bit more clarity on, uh, an expansion of the teaching. I wasn't willing to do that. I was willing to uh, do like I'd done throughout all education of kind of finding my way and mm-hmm. faking it till I make, and it didn't work. So when we came to that, that amical decision to part ways in a sense uh-huh. to, okay, I do these things, about two, three pieces of course work, submit them. And then I get obviously that, 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 that award that is, it is alongside my undergraduate degree mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, I probably honor them in the same, uh, valor in terms of they took hard work. Yeah. Um, I think my, my postgrad probably took a little bit more and then obviously focused hundred percent back into sport yeah. and it's like, well, we're going to train. I think, Physically, volleyball was a lot more demanding on the on the body than than rowing was. Even though rowing, I had spent more mm. hours actually training. But to finally get the call up for that was more of a relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got an injury two 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 months out from the games, and it's quite a bad one. I couldn't shake it, and I was like, oh, "God, this is going to derail me." Derail me from going to my games. Um, 
obviously managed to sort it out. Eventually, the, one of the physios said, well, you need to stop going back too soon because I'd feel all right, go back, re-aggravate it, feel all right. Go back. So I kept knocking myself back. So like one step forward, two steps back. And it's like, well, I need to take more rest. And I did that. And then eventually I was back, in, back to training. Um, we had our debrief after the London Games. And the head coach said to me, oh, I'll pick my team a year out. You could have you could have told me that. Yeah. I, I know why you didn't, because you want people to go hundred percent all the way until pretty much the day before the games, just to keep people on their yeah. toes. The starting six knew they probably were going. Uh-huh. I was on the fringe. But that would have given me um a sense of belief as well, I'm going, let me get myself sorted right. so I go back to to practice sooner and help the team. So I was, when he said that to me, I was probably livid. Inside, I was really angry. It's like, if you pick your team in 2011, you could have dangled the carrot a yeah. little bit. And this is, it's not knocking, knocking his man management, but you could have managed the situation yeah. maybe a little bit better. It's like, well, you're going to get picked, James, but you need to be a little bit more consistent. Right. Um, cause the year, yeah, that year, uh, I trained for one competition more than everybody else. I think I played one point in, in, over oh, a series man, of yeah. five games. Yeah. My mom came to watch. I went from, oh, gosh, the building could have caught on fire. I was that angry Yeah. to, I was in tears because I was an emotional wreck cause I'd given well, pretty much everything to practice that gosh I probably couldn't tell you what was right or wrong uh-huh. I was just gone I was goosed it was I think even our strength and conditioning coach said to the coaches like we can't the guys who are full time are training almost 20 hours a week and we the extra stuff was for the yeah, other guys right. to come in who were working to get additional tra- so I ended up I missed one practice that week. So uh-huh. I ended up doing almost like 35 hours. So pretty much double yeah. the, the, the normal. And then to not play, I just exploded. And uh, somehow the coach found out, I don't know how, because I was looking everywhere, doing like the very, very um, male thing to do. Uh-huh. Before I have an outburst, emotionally, yeah. that means... It's somebody else's nobody. fault, right? Maybe no, no, I'm not necessarily that, Jeff. But to see if there's there's anybody that can judge me. Yeah. But before I, I see, uh, outpour to somebody that obviously cares about me, regardless. Uh huh. Let me see that there's nobody around that can see it. Right. And then I obviously broke down in tears, and um, my mum let me know then the next day. The coach went to apologize to her, but not to me. <laughs> Well, James, you're not. So stranger. I found out about it because yeah. he said, "Oh, James is the, the problem with James is he's not consistent." Yeah, got inconsistency. Hey, that's easy fix. James. So, I, so I, so I, so all I went back to from that day on was, hey, just gotta get more consistent. Right. Just be, be, well, technically Joe average. Just do everything uh-huh. the same all the time, and you'll get picked. Um, but. If you'd apologize to me, not necessarily apologize, but say, this is why you're not playing. Hey, it's nothing I can do about it. Right. Those are facts. 
if hey. I'm not able to to bring to the table what you need, hey, I need to fix that. Yeah. James, you're no stranger to hard work and you've overcome a lot of difficulties and now you're helping others. You're a trainer, you got a podcast and I want to wrap up with this. Like, how do you help those people that maybe at times were like you that are struggling with a little bit of self-doubt? They, they, they think that they, they're not sure they got what it takes. How do you help them now as a trainer get over that self-doubt? And I'm actually asking this for everybody who's listening to this because they hit those hard patches in life and they're like, I don't know if I have what it takes to make it through this. So what would you say to them? Well, it's, it's, it's trying to reassure them to a certain extent that it's going to be okay. Um, obviously, I've got to take a very personal approach and take every case by and look at it case by case and look at how you've got to where you're at in the first place because uh-huh. okay the, the the goal and the result of everybody say they want to lose 30 pounds is the same but how you got to the position of being 30 pounds overweight is going to be completely right. different it could be uh it could be you've got an money issues mm-hmm. of uh it could be you don't think you can do it. It could be um, you've had so much failure in the past. Why isn't this time going to be right. any different? So, so it, it, it's trying to chip away at all those setbacks and kind of go, well, I don't want you to fail. I'm not going to let you fail. But it's making them believe in terms of, yes, I'm the vehicle for change, but they've got to believe in terms they're capable of yeah. doing it. So by the end of, say, one of my consultations, if I haven't done that well enough, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna work with me. You're not gonna work with any coach, right. regardless of, of because you've got to be emotionally invested in 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 the in your result because that's generally where people, um, maybe men more specifically, come unstuck because they get too logical about the pro. Of all, it's gonna cost me X amount uh-huh. of money. And James, if people want to know more about you, if they want to find out more about your coaching business or your podcast, where do they go to find out more? You can find more about my coaching business at jamesownroberts.com and you can find my podcast, The Mindset Athlete, at, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're going to put the links to that in the notes to this show, but say the name of your podcast one more time for everybody who wants the to mind, subscribe. The Mindset Athlete. There, there you go. The Mindset Athlete Podcast. Check it out. James, I really have been looking forward to this. Thanks for squeezing me into your schedule at the last minute. I have the greatest respect for Olympic and Paralympic athletes, and man, it's been exciting to be with you today. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for having me on, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Let's see you around. One of the things that I love about this episode with James Roberts is that he mentioned more than once these challenges that he faced in life. And at the time, they really felt difficult. But looking back on it now, he realizes those were opportunities to get stronger and to train harder. I'm telling you this because if you're going to be unbeatable, You are going to face challenges, and instead of letting them overwhelm you, why don't you take James's approach and look at them now as an opportunity to train harder and to get better for the future? Guys, thank you so much for joining me. 
Hey, if you just found our podcast for the first time, I'd love for you to follow us on social media at Unbeatable Podcast. Or if you've been listening and you like what you're hearing, why don't you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and rate it and tell everybody what you think about this episode of Unbeatable. And by the way, I've got a free tool for you. It's a resource to help you get over some of those challenges in life. I call it the survival guide. And if you want it, all you've got to do is go to unbeatablearmy.com. It's free for you to download the Unbeatable Army survival guide. Thanks for joining us this week. I hope you're having a great time like me watching the winter games. See you next week.